Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. We are live now. Hopefully, so, hopefully. You see the red dot, Ben? There's not Sitting a the, red dot. What no, are you no, talking no, about, no. man? We ain't... <laughs> <laughs> On you air. didn't know about the red lot? <laughs> Come on, dude. No, I've just been winging this thing the whole time. Yeah, know. but welcome to Money Mondays, everybody. We do this every Monday, 3.30 Central. I am your favorite host, Ferris, ooh, and that's Ben over ooh, there. Ooh, um, ooh. Monday, 3.30 Central, we go through a bunch of different topics. If you have suggestions for future ones, please let us know. Yep, yep. But this week, we are going, talking about... The real estate life cycle on a multifamily property, right? Close, so, right? You got to read it right, word for word, then. Walk I through. I know, but I just like to, I just like to wing it, man. Like I real said. estate life cycle. Right? Yeah, no, so we're going to talk about the whole soup to nuts, everybody, as, as much as we can in a 30 minute slot, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and we're going to use one of our deals as kind of a case study in that, you know, and kind of how we found it to how we manage it to how we actually ultimately sold it, right? And I think it's an important thing because there's so many moving pieces in this business and that's why, um, you know, getting an education and understanding how it works is probably one of the most important things you can do when you're starting off. Absolutely. Or partnering with people that understand how the process works, you know, because otherwise you could get in a lot of trouble. So, all right. We got a little bit of a disclaimer. You always like to do disclaimers. Disclaimer is, you know, we're going to talk and Ben talks a lot. I talk, but Ben talks more. But we're, you know, we like to give candid advice, candid yeah. thoughts, but please consult your expert. Don't go make a big, important life decisions just because two guys in a cool studio told you so, right? No, so absolutely. definitely talk to your experts, but you know, we'll, we'll be candid. Our, yeah. Generally, we like to be very transparent and candid, and we'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, but please talk to your expert before you um, make yeah. those decisions. So that's my disclaimer. You did a great job, man. You I know. did a great I job. I do the best. All right, so this was our first deal that we did as a team, you know, we had both kind of done some deals prior to Disrupt Equity's inception, but this was kind of the deal that kind of kicked things off for us. You know, uh, you want to kind of take us through? Yeah, so it's a deal, um, you know, it's called Multifamily, uh, sorry, it's called Woods Indicator, right? We, we used to be called Laurel Mills. We, we ended up targeting, and we'll talk about it a little bit, right? But long story short, it was an ugly duckling, right? It was a real ugly It was ugly a deal duckling. that, um, you know, took Ben uh, probably a good six hours of the day to, to warm up to. Right, and you know, but ultimately it was a deal that I knew that we could not screw up, right? It was ultimately, bo it, it boiled down to me and Ben needing to do our job and the deal would work. We didn't have to bet on rent pushes, we didn't have to bet on the market, anything. We just had to get debt in place and do the business plan. Yep. Those are really the two biggest things. So um, luckily, you know. We, so how we do we find, let's start from the beginning though, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of people that are tuning in, probably you're, you're, you're trying to get your first deal or maybe you have your first deal and you're trying to get your second deal, right? So how did, how did we find Woods Decatur? Yeah, so Woods Decatur, I mean, talking to brokers, right? Talking to brokers, getting a sense of what, where they have interest and where they don't. And this is where I really like to ask the brokers, like, what deals are they not getting interested in? Why? Yeah. Right? Because, again, those are the ugly ducklings. And I like those deals because it's a lot less competitive. And if I can find the right one, usually there's a good reason why most people aren't interested. But mm -hmm. if I can find the right one that matches maybe what we're capable of doing or what we want to do, those that's where a deal to be had is. And so in this case, it was a broker we knew... We had gotten to know very well. It was, the, the only, you know, it was one of the only deals we had bought from at the time. But really, you know, they had, didn't have a lot of interest. It was a deal that was distressed. I mean, yeah. it was really distressed. And, you know, I remember going out there, touring this one and another deal, and offering on both of them, and we won this one, right? Yep, yep. And so it was a deal that basically, 
you know, I remember being out there with our property manager at the time, Art, and he basically, I remember it was a rainy day, and it seems to be by the first two years of Atlanta, our, my, my experience with Atlanta, it's always a rainy day whenever I'm out there. out there. It's always dreary <laughs> out there. When, but luckily, the past couple of times Atlanta, has been much better. It's much it's been better the past city. couple of times. But I just remember it was rainy, it was chilly, it was December, and I remember Art is kind of, you know, you know Art, and he's kind of looking around, he's like, you can expect a lot of turnover on this property. And little did I know he was very right. But, you know, it was a deal that we knew had some challenges. And I thought he was being conservative, but yeah. his turnover percentages were actually pretty correct. Absolutely. Uh, and know. so, um, you know, that's kind of how we initially solved the deal, found the deal. And at the time, you know, the broker came back and there's a little bit of negotiation, but we ultimately got it under contract, right? So, and, well, okay, so beyond the numbers, though, I mean, because you're the one who did the initial uh, property tour, right? What was, it was what was your sense of the area? Being like, on site, I knew that the the guys operating it had no business being in the business. Okay. I mean, you could tell they didn't know what they're doing. They had nine down units that ultimately we knew. What was the re- it was like a thirty thousand dollar repair? Yes. They basically had you nine had, down units because you had to some replace the sump had, pump. Exactly. Had a sump pump that I think we had budgeted one hundred fifty thousand dollars for. Yep. It ended up being thirty thousand dollars to get a high quality professional grade business version in there. Yeah. Right. And so. Um, that was the kind of that, I mean, but really you could just tell the guys didn't know what they're doing. You could tell the area, each exit from the highway coming from downtown was was basically tell if I kind of go towards downtown is improving. So that mm-hmm. tells me things are coming out our way. Yep. Right, there's some yep. good comps. So there's a the, path of progress, Yeah, the dealer right? across the street was 100% occupied. Well, there's a lot of things they can see. We that, like okay, that, and then there obviously there was some new development. Well, that, that was, was before we got under contract. Yep. Right? I remember yep. we got out there, and yep. then during... I think it was actually during DTE, right? Or maybe right after we bought it, we saw that there was some construction going on. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, we got, I'm going to say we got lucky, right? No, that we was did. not part of the plan, but the deal right across the street, brand new deal went up there. And I mean, we saw it a couple of uh, So one, one of the things I wanted to point out too, I mean, obviously we, we buy all of our deals through brokers, right? We're not doing cold calling or mailing letters or any of that stuff, right? But one thing I, we also target is the wrong broker on the right deal too, yeah. right? You know, uh, and I'm not going to say that that's what that instance was, but we've also yeah, had deals. Yeah, in this case deals. it wasn't. But we yeah, but we've also we've had worked. deals like that where you might have a guy that maybe is does mainly residential stuff, but he stumbled across a client Absolutely. that has multifamily, right? That is a guy that you want to you want to go target and, and potentially get a good deal on because he's not going to he's not going to have the buyer's list. He's not going to price it accordingly. Right, but this this deal was priced to sell because the guys that we had bought it from had bought it out of an REO out of the bank. They had picked it up at pennies on the yeah, dollar. Yeah, I mean, like I think fifteen or twenty thousand, you know, um, a door, and we ultimately got it in what thirty eight a door. Yeah, you know, so even back then, that's a heck of a deal. Now it, de- it needed some work. But, you know, it was one of those deals where even on the OM, they couldn't really capture a great picture of it. They had one or two angles, right? We I went out one, there and got some I, good ones I for I think it. one of the pictures was, uh, you know, it had like a broken down vehicle or something. I'm like, man, this is the best shots you guys got. So anyway, so we can go over the executive summary. We're going to go blow through this real quick, folks. Some of you guys might have heard this story already. Yeah, but, but you know, it's location. You know. We could tell it was management. And I mean, the area is high demand, right? Those yeah. are the three big things in the deal. Right, yeah. deal across the street is 100% occupied. We knew if we got units online, we can get them leased. We knew that the leases that we're getting were below market. And yeah. So you can tell it was just management play, right? Well, and then they were self-managing, right? And they were just, they, they weren't doing, yeah, they weren't doing it the, the proper way. They were just a couple of guys and they hired on a gal that was going to be kind of their manager and they were just doing everything kind of in-house and it was very sloppily done and, and poorly executed. So I would say it's the most, most of this play was a management play. Yeah. You know, and then you had the nine down units, right? But, you know, and that just takes some capex. So we had 900K that we uh, we ultimately got through the bank that we we're going to put into this. And this is a 99-unit deal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it was a substantial rehab budget for, for what it was, right? 
So, you know, um, some of the just, you know, a little bit of a map, you know, of where this was at. And this is obviously in Atlanta. I don't know if we really talked about this, but Decatur is kind of a trendy sub-market within the Atlanta MSA. And, you know, I'd say if you're looking at this map, folks, like Decatur is on the north side of this highway, kind of going up maybe a couple few miles. And um, it's really gentrifying all the way along that I-20 corridor. And uh, a lot of crazy, awesome things were happening right then and there, and it still is. So one of the deals that I like to point out to, because we use this and we actually, we, we secret shop this deal that was done pretty well, you know, was a guy bought the vacant property across the street or across the highway. Yeah. You know, I think he actually, he spent more on it vacant than we had on our deal. Yeah. He bought his at 39, we bought ours at 38. His it was makes completely- makes you ask yourself twice, are you paying in the right price or yeah, not? Yeah, you got it, you know, cause I was out. like, wow, okay, well if that guy's gonna do that. But anyway, so he ended up putting 40,000 a door into it, folks, all right? So now let's say he's into it for 79. How much did he flip that out? 125,000 a door he ended up selling that for? Yeah, I think 100, you know, somewhere around there, yeah. So I mean, that was happening as we were, as we were, you know, purchasing this, right? And then there's a few things, the, the, the property across the street, it was occupied and it had a waiting list. So obviously there's a ton of new demand. There's some new development, you know, um, you know, obviously there's some Walmarts and some other things that are happening. This is still a solid kind of, I would say C plus area, maybe B minus in certain parts, right? Because it is gentrifying, you're gonna have pockets. But um, you know, these were some of the things that we were seeing when we were kind of doing our market research. Um, you know, going through some of the returns, right? You obviously have to have a deal that there's, there's a solid exit plan. Even if there is very little cash flow, maybe up front, right? Because it's a heavy rehab play, it's a repositioning. You're trying to, you know, kind of revitalize a, a, a tired deal. You know, there needs to be a strong exit, right? And in this case, right, we were projecting to do a refi in kind of year three, four-ish, yeah. um, and then maybe hold on to it for a few more years. Um, ultimately, we executed our business plan when obviously the broker, as brokers do, they keep in contact with you and say, you know, I mean, hey, how are things coming along? You know, are you guys looking to sell? What's the plan? Um, and we were obviously constantly providing him with um, our financials. And he ultimately found, um, you know, um, somebody to actually buy it, yeah. right? You know, and so it was, uh, you know, I think in year two, we decided, hey, this is... 18 months. Yeah. I mean, is, start to finish 18 months, or really four at the 16-month mark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Found someone buy it. And ultimately, you know, people always ask, why does someone buy a deal, right? Yeah. Why, you know, if we're selling it, why would the other guy buy it? And ultimately, we did we did just one phase of a possible upgrade, right? Yep. We brought down units online, we improved a small subset of them, but we showed the next buyer, look, if you make the units look like this, you can get this $150 rent premium. Yep. Now, we were out of capital, right? We, were, we had to done our CapEx, we had not planned yep. to upgrade all the units, right? But the next guy can come in with capital, mm -hmm. make the next set of improvements to match what we did, because we already showed them the path, and then they can get the rent premiums, right? And then whenever you put, get the rent premiums, you're now collecting more money, therefore adding more value, and then possibly sell it to the next guy, or yep. just hold on cash flow. And so there's a real reason for people to sell, right? And kind yep. of buy as well. So that no, was kind of you know, the story there. We always tell people we're opportunistic, right? You know, And ultimately, I think we got 75, 80% return. And if you guys are looking at the same slide, we were talking about 104% return in year five. Yeah. So we got a 70 or 80% return in year two. Yeah. You know, so of course we you're, took you're the money. You're 1.5. 1.5, right? Ben, so Ben likes to round up all the time, so <laughs> I don't get it. It's year two, but yes, we're, you're right. So anyway, so that's what that, we're big proponents of. If you can get a good return for your investors, you know, your IRR is going to be through the roof, obviously, right? 
And so, but to take a step back, so we got it under contract. Then you brought me out for due diligence. Yeah. What was what did my face look like when, when we walked out outside? I gotta show the before and after, man. Ben was Ooh, just kind of like Ben was pissed. I was like, geez, like this guy, you know. At the time, I didn't know Ben well enough, and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know if I want to partner with this guy. I mean, you know, but by it the end of it, I was more shocked. Shock was what I was gonna say. He had the look of disappointment slash shock, a little bit of both. Well, the deals that I had done here in Texas were significantly cleaner deals, yeah. and this was something like in a whole other. But I told Ben, deal. I'm like, relax, you know. chillax, bro beans. You know, it'll be all right. <laughs> And well, I think we witnessed like a, a drug deal go down. I don't know. There was there was a lot of shady stuff that was happening in this property, folks. So the DD was was very eye opening. But by the end of the day, you know, we're at dinner. You know, I'm kind of decompressing, just processing it all, and I started seeing the potential. You have to look beyond the aesthetic look and feel of the property and say, is this a profitable endeavor, right? And ultimately, the numbers spoke for themselves. We had a clear business plan, right? And I felt like we could execute on it. So, you know, I started kind of getting on, on board pretty quickly. Um, so we obviously got through the due diligence. Um, you know, some people have heard this story. We, we went with um, a lender that I would probably not recommend. I'm not going to say any names. You, know, you can message us offline if you'd like, you know. But um, because the deal was a little bit challenging, we went with this kind of bridge lender that, um, you know, ultimately got across the finish line in 30 days. But they made that deal even more challenging than yeah. it needed to be. Totally you agree. Know, I mean, from not disclosing things up front on the closing um, and what we needed to bring to the table at closing to dra dragging out our lender draws at every possible point. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, me and Ferris and, and Mark Kinney, who's, who was our business partner on this deal too, we just had to stroke checks and, and unjam the rehab while we waited for them to reimburse us. Because they, at one point, they didn't reimburse us for six months. Right, you can't do a rehab play when you're waiting around for six months to pay everybody. So that was kind of a big challenge for this deal too. But I'll go ahead and pause. Do we got any comments or no, questions? So let's take a look. Um, so multi-family, uh, multi, uh, Money Mondays. Come we do on, this man. every Monday, three thirty Central. For those of you tuning you in, your, you need your, you we'll need look, your Starbucks. I already buddy. finished my Starbucks. You didn't give me enough. Jeez. But you know, do it every Monday, three thirty Central. Right. If people have questions, comments, let us know. If you have ideas for the next topic, let us know. Please come and, on. And you know, kind of going through today's uh, comments. Let's see. So Ronnie says, "What's up, guys?" So hey, Ronnie, buddy. of course, hey, hey. our uh, one of our top, I'd say, our top fans. But big, big, we, big supporter, and we're a big supporter. Ronnie, Ronnie's doing some great things we, out there. We also have uh, Ernest, which is, he's labeled the top fan, so sorry Ron oh, <laughs> says whoa. that, but Ronnie did have a question. Everyone talks about the acquisition process. No one talks about the disposition process. Yep. Can you dig in more on something? Absolutely, man. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to kind of trying to tell a story. Tell a story. So yeah. we'll definitely dig into that. Yep. Um, Jefferson, uh, Savion, you know, is kind of asking a question about Ronnie's as well. Jefferson Gon says, happy Monday. Hope everyone has a start great. Has a great start of the week. Yeah, our trying Mondays to. are nuts. Just We're trying to, We man. start off the Mondays rough just to the rest this of the week. This is actually probably the funnest part of our day, I'd say. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I mean, like. I look forward to it. Yeah. Ronnie says, no plaid today. Nah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very self-conscious about it at this point, man. <laughs> That's very true, man. Every Monday, I'm just like, ah, it's a Monday. What's Ronnie going to call me out on it or not? So maybe we'll do a plaid Monday intentional. Me and Ben will plan No, out. absolutely going to have to do it. All right, so let's keep going. All right, all right. So we got in. Obviously, we had some challenges on the lender side. You know, I think operationally, it was a challenging play too, right? You know, I mean, there was a fair, like Art had said, we ended up having a lot of turnover. So I think after year one, we had pretty much gone through the whole entire rent roll. Every, you know, people had moved out completely, and we'd shuffled in good, better-paying tenants. 
Um, we also had to shuffle in a couple different managers. Finally, finally landed on a guy that we really like. His name's Abel. Um, you know, and he knew that demographic. He knew how to talk to them. He knew how to handle them, and he ultimately did a great job. You know, but I still remember having some scary part, some scary moments. Right, he got jumped. Um, you know, by and this wasn't by a tenant either. It was by a disgruntled uh, ex vendor yeah, of ours. Jumped. I would. He had a fist he fight. Totally, jumped is different. He jumped totally is, came out of the blue and came after our manager, man. Yeah. You know, but anyway, Abel put up a good fight. The guy also ultimately got arrested. Um, you know, and, and the guy was on drugs, so it was just a long story. But bottom line, you know, I mean, he fought and bled for the property too. Um, and we'll be forever grateful for him. Um, but he got at least up. So we had taken it, we take, on paper, we took it over, and I think they said it was about 70 or 80% occupied. In reality, it was about 40. And I think of that, maybe yeah, like... Yeah, we brought, no, really, we brought it down to the 40s in occupancy, then brought yeah. it back up to 95 in like four months. Yeah, so I mean, and, and I, I think... I remember Brent freaking out at the time, I'm like, relax, man, it's well, going to be okay. But, but you're operating at 40%, you're operating, you're losing money each you month. You're so losing a stressful. ton of money, right? And so you have to be very, very careful. So that's one thing that I, I always say is on these types of plays, and really in just any play in general... You need to have reserves, right? Assume that you're running this at a negative cash flow position and, you know, to the point where you might struggle to even pay your note, right? Now, so people understand on a bridge loan, right, they're going to have what's called an interest reserve account, right? So they set aside sometimes six to 12 months worth of, uh, you know, principal and interest. And say if you were getting tight on not being able to cover the note, you can tap into that. And the, the lender on this deal had that same thing. We ultimately only think used it once or twice, but it came in handy. Right, and they force you to use it. They force you to escrow it anyway. So it's your money. You might as well use it when you need to. So we kind of got it all the way down to forty percent occupancy, right? You know, we got all, rid of all the drug dealers and all those all those folks. Got good paying tenants in there. Cleaned it up. Updated the property, interiors, exteriors. We did a paint. We added playgrounds. You know, we updated a, the pool. The pool hadn't been online for years. Yeah, brought you those know. on. But note to self. Pools suck. Bringing them online. We brought it. We made this thing look beautiful, but we couldn't open it. The laws had changed. They wouldn't grandfather us in, right? Yeah. So you had to have a restroom that was accessible, and we just didn't have the budget to to build a restroom. But the next guy was doing that. Next guy was was that was a play for him, right? You know, I mean, hey, we did the heavy lift on the pool. Now all you got to do is just you got to rearrange the office and the the beautiful pool did help us. Some leases, so. No, it absolutely did because we yeah, we kept it clean, right? You know, tenants you know, see no. that you're spending money on the property, right? People want to see that. Yeah. You know, it's a, and then it turns into a thing where the tenants start to take care of the property for you. Yeah. And it's kind of a snowball effect, right? Things start to improve. So Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we had we had a ton of, you know, turnover. We had to evict a ton of folks, right? Uh, we had gotten security out there to kind of help us kind of clean it up. We pushed rents with Abel's help, right? Um, collections literally tripled in four months. Yep. You know, but that's what happens when you have to have a clean house, right? And then you obviously get good paying tenants in there. But it's nice when you're kind of doing these deals because you see a tremendous trend line. And so, you know, and obviously NOI, because we were trying to keep expenses in line too, you know, was just getting bigger and bigger each month, right? And as, as you're trying to increase your value, that's ultimately what everybody's playing, uh, planning on, right? Is where's that NOI at? Where's collections at? And both of those look very, very strong. So, you know, ultimately the brokers knew that, right? And they're like, hey, this is a good story. You know, then there was still meat on the bone, right? You know, we had done the down units. We'd probably done, I'd say, 30 or 40 of the other interiors. But that gave the other guy at least 40 units that he could update as well, mm-hmm. right? And there were still a lot of things that we wanted to do on the property. But like we said, you know, we had a finite amount of rehab budget and we had to kind of go through it, right? So 18-month hold, right? Total... Total return, 80%, mm-hmm. 
You know, so our investors were pretty happy about that. I'm just waiting to see where Ben's going to go with that big emphasis he did on the 18 month old. <laughs> well, no, no, because you're saying, oh, it was, a, it was a year and a half, and I was saying it was in year oh, two. So that's I get it. I get it. I get it. 18 right. month old, right? You know, um, but so you know, I mean, that's what can happen, folks. And actually, we 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 don't mind these types of plays. This is probably not a deal that we would do again. But you know, it's or, nice to kind of say, hey, I'm gonna I'm just gonna roll up my sleeves for if it was 18. Bigger, I'd do it again. Yeah, 18, 24 months. I'm just gonna grind it out. I have enough rehab budget. And it's, it's a, all just about managing cash flow. It's a starter deal, know. right? To get into a it's new market. It's definitely a starter deal. And then and I think this is one thing that, that we didn't bring up that we need to bring up, right? Is that this was a play that got us into Atlanta. It was a market that both me and Ferris wanted to get into. We weren't experienced in that market. We weren't known in that market. So therefore, it makes it more challenging to buy into a nicer, cleaner deal. They're going to really, you're, they're going to expect you to pay up, right? And we don't want to do that. So this was a deal that kind of got us our footprint and allowed us to kind of understand the market even more and, and develop those relationships out there in Atlanta so we could then scale. And we've since bought three more deals out there. Oh, we love the Atlanta market and we'll continue to buy out there. So um, the stats, right? We raised about 1.1, you know, back then it seemed like a lot. Um, you know, now in hindsight, that's probably our smallest raise. <laughs> um, purchase price was 3.9 million. Um, sale price was about 7 million. So. All in all, profits were about two million bucks on this deal. Yep. You know, and so that's uh, kind of the high level stats on the on the deal. And once again, our investors were happy, and that makes us happy. Yep. So, open Q and A. I know that. Let's talk about the disposition process because Ronnie brought up something, um, you know, that we don't really talk about in this business, right? Well, before we do that, let's go through comments. So, those of you tuning in, Money Mondays, we do this every Monday, yep. three thirty Central. If you have questions, comments, let us know. If you have ideas for next topics, let us know. But I'm going to go through a few. Ronnie says, Abel's a great guy. Yes, he is. Savion says, can you speak on the turnover costs associated with the unit mix? Man, on that deal, turn turnovers might as well have been upgrades, man. It, yeah, was, it just, was it Because these, these people were rough. It was rough. It was rough, man. you gotta, you got to realize that this is a rough demographic. They were rough on the units. And even not outside of that control, right, you know, just the the management and the mismanagement right they did they weren't keeping up with the units either right and so their turn or their upgrade prior to this tenant moving in was probably very sloppily done so we had to go in and we had to fix a lot of things right and that's why turnover costs can be a killer to deals right that's why we try to incentivize people to stay at our properties right don't move out let's build a, a community right well that's why we like families at our properties too because they don't tend to move as much right because each time somebody moves out even in the best of circumstances you're probably talking three to five k Right? So if you can keep them at the property for two or three years or maybe even more, right, you're not having to spend that three to five K for that unit each year. Right? Now you gotta maintain it, but you're not having to you're not having to upgrade it every single year. You know, so that was kind of the case in this with this deal, which is we had to move them out. And we baked that into our rehab plan too. So, you know, it wasn't wasn't anything that we were out of pocket on. But uh, talking about the disposition process, going back to what Ronnie was asking about earlier, folks. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple ways that you can skin this cat, right? You can do an on-market, right, which is fully blasted emails, which I'm sure anybody that's in the business understands those. You got a nice, pretty, you know, sexy OM, and, um, you know, they do a best and final and all that stuff, right? Or you can shop it to a couple of brokers that you know in the, in the area and say, hey, we're going to sell this off-market, Right? And they'll still do the due diligence, and sometimes they'll even put together maybe a, a smaller type of OM, probably three to five pages versus 40. And uh, then they go out to their buyers that they know are active in that submarket, and they start saying, hey, these guys, these guys are looking to sell. 
this is what they want, here are the financials, here's our little deck, what do you think, right? Yep. And, um, you know, so it's just not more broadly marketed, right? because yeah, we didn't know if we, you know, we kind of knew we'd probably sell, but it wasn't certain, yeah. right? And we're so testing, we're we're, at, the, at the end of the day, why do, why do people do it that way, right? Well, two things, you're, you're, you're testing the market, right? I wanna see how much I could get for this right now, right? And we were pleasantly surprised. So Ben no, was pleasantly surprised. No, I, mean, yeah, I, I thought Ben was, was like, no. I'm like, yeah. Ben was yeah. like, no. And I'm if, like, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and ultimately it comes back, but if that guy, if, if he's willing to pay that, then I'm willing to sell it, right? You know, and so that's one reason why people do that too. The other reason that people sell off market versus on market is it's a lot less disruptive, no pun intended, to the on-site staff, right? When you have an on-market deal, there's gonna be multiple property tours a week. You know, the staff is gonna get disrupted. They're gonna be asked a bunch of questions and ultimately they mix them anxious throughout the process that am I gonna have a job with the next guy or gal? And so um, now are there still tours on an on off-market deal? Yes, to an extent, yeah. but it's gonna be a lot fewer and far between. And you can usually play it off as some kind of a lender inspection or an insurance inspection or whatever, right? So therefore not to, to spook the staff. And so that's the reason why people do an off-market transaction versus an on-market transaction. Okay. But we found our buyer, you know, um, and I won't name names, but a lot of people probably know him. He's a good guy out of Florida, um, you know, and he ultimately uh, bought the deal. And you got to go through kind of the, the process with the lender on his side, right? They're going to ask for a bunch of financials, a bunch of backup. What did you do, you know, as far as your rehab? Um, and you want to be forthcoming, right? You know, that was the one thing I didn't like about the people that we bought it from. They were not forthcoming on their financials and they really weren't all that helpful, right? Where we want to make the deal work, right? We want you to get financing because I don't want you to use that as an excuse to back out of the deal. So we're always, gonna, we're always willing to say, hey, whatever you need, we're willing to provide it. Yep. And so we did that with him. Um, he, we had, right. you know, one or two um, extensions, but we ultimately got it across the finish line. Yep. So let's keep going then. All so I know right. it's already four o'clock. So you know, usually we wrap up at four o'clock, but we'll do a few more questions. See if anyone has more comments, questions. Yep. Uh, Ronnie's asking how much working capital did y'all raise for the deal, and what's typical? That deal nine hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand a unit. Usually not that high, right? It just depends on the situation. Well, that was a rehab. That you was know. the rehab side. Sorry, the working capital again. It really depends on if you're doing a yeah. deep rehab or not. If you're doing a deep rehab, double what you need. I mean, really save more money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a hard question to ask. It's very I think we. Specific. I think we had about one hundred fifty to two hundred k on that deal. Just right. The, yeah. You know. So I mean, it's it's rule of thumb, folks, is five to ten percent. Right. Yeah. If you if you if you have a heavy rehab plan like. Play like that, you should probably have more than that. Agreed. So let's keep going then. What's y'all's thoughts on Decatur now? We like it. I, I love Decatur. Up it's, a sexy, it's a sexy market. It's gentrifying. Yeah. You know, there's a lot happening there, but um, you're not buying a 38K per door deal in anywhere around Decatur anymore. If you are, come talk to us. Yeah, um, definitely. Let's keep going. We are interested. <laughs> so Chris Collins says, hey guys, how do you establish your management out of state? I know you have in-house disrupt management, but do you hire local for on-site? Yep. Do yep. you keep previous management personnel? Do you send people from Texas? A little bit of everything, yep. right? So, you know, if you're going to manage out of state, you're a, you're also going to have a local property manager that lives at the property, a local mm -hmm. staff. Yep. Now, then the question next becomes, is your regional, right? Do you, if you have enough scale, you really want that regional local, right? They can go drive to the property every mm -hmm. freaking day if they need to, yep. right? And then you have back office and support that still needs to get out there occasionally, right? Now, you can have the regional be, you know, central and they're having to fly out there very often. But honestly, if you have enough scale and you can, it's better to have that person local. No, absolutely. Things just come up, absolutely. right? And so the more you can do that, the better, but now it's all about numbers, right? And on this deal, we did have a local property management company. This was a few years back, and they did a good job. You know, but ultimately, I always, I always equate if you've got a good manager, 
and and maybe even a good regional, which we had on, on this deal especially. We had Spring and we had Abel. They were a d dynamic duo, um, and, and they ultimately did a very, very good job, right? But if you don't, you're going to have challenges. So. so we got one last question from Trina. On the exit strategy, where's your profit sweet spot that would make you look at an earlier exit than planned? That's a good question. Um, it depends on a lot of things. I mean, all, yeah, ultimately we need to look at net profit, including yeah. if we, you know, assuming the loan or have to pay off the note. But net, you know, I'd say if you're above 30 a year, it's a good deal. Right? Well, it's still a good oh, time. average annualized return? Average, yeah. So if I, yeah. you know, if I, if I can sell in year three and get 90%, Heck yeah, I'm going to sell. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, maybe now above 25 is probably the, you know, because most deals you go into, you're doing 15 to 20% average annual, right? So if you kind of beat that quite a bit, probably make an exit. Yeah. And so it's very, and it, you know, it's, it depends on what's going on. Maybe that market is not working out so well. The deal, you, you know, you're able to make an exit. Maybe you want to make that exit, right? It just depends on the situation. And we just looked at, we ultimately looked at the price per pound too, right? We said, okay, hey, I don't think we're going to be able to get much above what we're going to sell it to this gentleman for. Um, you know, and ultimately it depends on how much CapEx do you have left, right? You know, do you have more money to continue to improve the property? And in this case, we didn't, right? We had run out of our CapEx dollars. Absolutely. So it just, it was just a natural life cycle of a, of a, of a deal, right? Absolutely. So let's keep going then. Last question, and then maybe we're called a wrap, but let's see. So David asks, how do you guys determine on what a good property accountant does for a property? So that's, that's kind of a, maybe the question's not clear. So the property management company has an accountant that does the books of the property, yep. right? They're really doing vanilla accounting, right? They are looking at all the expenses. They're looking at all of the invoices, kind of, you know. Paying bills. Paying bills, all know. of that kind of stuff. Now, an asset manager, right, or maybe even a forensics accountant, right, is someone that can dig into that and yep. figure out where there's opportunities. Was there being mismanagement of funds, right? Yep. You know, something negligent, right? That's a different role than the property accountant. Is maybe yes. my answer to that. And, and it's going to be a higher experience person too, right? You know, you're you're really your typical property accountant's probably 50, 60 grand, right? But you might have like a controller or a CFO or somebody that's a little bit more experienced, yeah. right? You know, and those are going to be the people that you would have really, really dig in and maybe audit something. But yeah, day to day, you're going to offload that to your property management account. So now Ronnie actually asked one last question. It's very yeah, important. Buddy. His question is, what was this closest Starbucks to this deal? Ooh. It was actually very disappointing. It was probably a big reason I wanted to sell the deal. <laughs> it was not very close by, to be honest. The closest one was basically probably either Decatur or downtown. Both were too far. Right? And we so went to the one in Decatur. We went to the one in Decatur, know, but even that know. was still like a 15, 20 minute drive. Yeah, so it was good because it, you know, it was like this as, deal as, did not pass the Starbucks test. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, as, as, a, the, as the bird block. flies, right, it would probably be like five minutes, but it was just the, the where this was located at, you had to kind of come back around and then go up to Decatur. But yeah, no, that was that didn't pass our Starbucks test, no, unfortunately. So you we know. had to axe that deal. So I'm yeah. sorry, but you know, yeah. hopefully all future deals do pass Heck that. Yeah. Well, hey, I know we're we're running out of time. So Shannon, if you want to go to the last slide here, you know, I just want to kind of we can't talk about the whole entire process in a 30 minute show, folks. We'd love to, but ultimately we we documented all of this. We took a huge deep dive in InvestorAcademy.net, yeah. right? So we want to give our viewers we get asked you know, on all the time about this. So that's why we put together the course. Yeah. So if yeah. anyone does want a deep dive, you're more than welcome to go check it out. It's yep. really just us brain dumping in a educational, organized, more. Uh, it's a, more, it's a, it's a, th uh, it's a, a 
thorough deep yeah. dive, right? We're, we're opening up our kimono, we're behind the scenes, everything that you would need to know ultimately about how to buy a deal, how to find a deal, how to underwrite a deal, the whole shebang is there. Yeah, right? with, with slides and presentations, the whole thing. So yep. that's yep. our answer to, hey, can you guys help with X? So yeah. definitely check it out. No, and we but, really appreciate you guys supporting us, so that's why we want to kind of give you that 30% off. Absolutely. Right? So go check that out. You know. So then, yeah, so let's call it a wrap then, right? So Already? It just more feels like we got shot out of a can. Go cannon. ahead and, yeah, don't, yeah, we right, started a few minutes late. Before we go, oh. before we go, right, what's coming up next week, Ben? Tips for finding off-market deals. Man, Shanna, come on. You're making these all complicated on us. No, so. No, no, that's like, that, that, one, that should be fun. You know, and the, the, well, no, it's actually a really easier one. You don't find off-market deals. Ooh. I'll stay tuned for next week. I'll tell you guys why. All so right, all right. So we'll call it a wrap then. If anyone has more questions, going once. Going twice. Money Mondays. See you guys next week, next Monday at 3.30. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com slash invest. Fill out your information there and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.